If you're trying to conceive and feeling overwhelmed with fertility advice, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to Don't Tell Me to Relax, your fertility podcast and antidote to unhelpful fertility information. I'm Hannah, a fertility acupuncturist, teacher and campaigner for better fertility education. This podcast aims to empower and inform you about your menstrual cycle and fertility. It's basically all that information you didn't get in sex ed at school with the aim of improving your understanding of your reproductive health and optimizing your fertility. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode. I have got one of the best sitting in front of me right now we've got lovely lovely katie who's come to join me to talk all about irregular cycles so hello katie hiya you're right it's been it's so nice to see you again because i've been off not having a fling with other people to talk about <laughs> But, you know, off having different guests and having a chat with different guests. But it's always lovely to come back and, and do an episode with you. So how have you been and what have you been up to? Really good. I've been busy. It's been good. I've been really enjoying all the episodes that you've been doing as well. Like, it's really great to hear all these other practitioners coming in and being able to, like, offer up so much more information. So you're getting, like, just the best of the best it's been really exciting to hear how the podcast is growing actually but um I have been so last night I did a workshop all about basal body temperature so we had our previous episode about BBT and how to use it so I did a workshop just really getting into the details of how to use BBT really and like the ways I find my clients get the most accurate temperatures and then also just showing everyone on the workshop like real life charts and how to actually work out when ovulation happened I think it all sounds like really easy in theory of like oh well like temperatures go up and stay up but like temperatures can like pop around a bit and yeah. um so seeing like the real life charts I think um people responded really well to actually seeing how do you work out when ovulation happened so yeah that was a really like great thing to offer and I think a useful resource for many so I I can well imagine. And I think it's going to, I know if, if people listening missed it uh, and they want to catch up on it, then it is going to be a, available to to buy and download um, online. Am I right? Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> so if we can put a link up in uh, the show notes for this and it will be on both of our websites, if that's something that you're interested in. And actually also fits into this episode as well, I think, because today we're going to talk about irregular cycles and and kind of, I guess, what what is an irregular cycle, what you can do about an irregular cycle, why your cycle might be irregular, how you can support it and how you can still conceive even if you have an irregular cycle, because it's not an impossibility, but it does take a bit more kind of understanding, I guess. And that's where I think the tracking and the BBT charting can really uh, add some insight into this. Yeah, it's a really useful tool to actually be able to see if and when ovulation did happen. And yeah, tracking is a really helpful and empowering tool when your cycles are irregular. I think sometimes people kind of perhaps think, well, my cycle is irregular, so what's the point in tracking? And it's like, well, yeah. actually, that's going to give you so much more information and you might actually see maybe your cycle isn't as irregular or erratic as perhaps you might feel it is and like charting gives a lot of people a feeling of having more control over their cycle as well yes absolutely so 
Um, let's start off with a definition because we like a, we like a little definition on this uh, show. So um, an irregular cycle is what is defined as a cycle that is less than 21 days. So that's 21 days from the first day of your period to 21 days to the first day of your next period or a cycle that's over 35 days. So, or there is a variation of seven, it says seven to nine days, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at a Google uh, definition here. And as we know, we don't all fit into Google and we are all individuals, but it does also say that a cycle that might vary between seven and nine days each cycle, and that this happens for three cycles or more. So that's kind of the standard definition. I would also add in that lots of people have irregular cycles as a one-off or two-off. You know, it might just be you've had you've been ill that month or you've been under particular stress or you've been traveling and you, you might have an, an irregular cycle and that is completely normal. But I think the important thing is, is that if it becomes irregular on a regular basis, if that makes sense, that um, that is a sort of a, a red flag. And, and also I would say irregularity can refer to what is not normal. So if your period itself is particularly light or if your period is particularly heavy, you know, any irregularity can be an irregular cycle. So I'm kind of widening the definition because I think irregularity as it's often talked about online and in textbooks is about the dates really. But I think irregularity can actually uh, refer to anything in your cycle that is not um, optimal and is not as we would expect it to be. Well, I'm not sure whether you agree with me on that one. I, bring that curveball in. I totally agree with you. And I've never, I've never thought of it like that. But yeah, we're always referring to with the regular cycles, the length of the cycle. But if your periods are like your actual bleed itself yeah. is, like you say, very, very light or very, very heavy, and you're like flooding through your period products, then that's not a a regular or like yeah. normal if you swapped a re like regular for normal yeah then, I mean what's a normal cycle but like health do you know do you know what yeah. I'm getting at? I totally understand where you're coming from and actually yeah. I think it's it's right to broaden that beyond just length yeah I totally because agree often oh that's good I'm glad we're on the <laughs> It's good as well because you know what? I'm doing a talk at a conference all about that. And that is the first, first, my first port of call is what actually is irregular. And that's the kind of point that I'm making it. I'm sort of saying that irregular is anything that's not healthy or optimal. Mm -hmm. And that's for a menstrual cycle for your, your general well-being, but also for your fertility. I mean, we, we talk a lot about it for a, from a fertility perspective. So I guess any irregularity is going to be a sign that something needs to be addressed to maximize your chances of conception. So that's where I'm coming from. So I'm glad we are on the same page with that. Yeah, totally. I haven't, yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that, but it makes perfect sense to broaden the definition beyond just length. And yeah. I think also just knowing that I remember when I'm, I heard about the sort of the variation of the seven to nine days, I think that's a really important piece of information as well. Cause sometimes if you have like a cycle that's a bit longer, then you're like, oh, is my like, are my cycles all over the place now? And like, you make the point of like, it's not uncommon at all to have a cycle that's a bit out of character for you, say. And yeah. um, I think knowing what the kind of parameters of irregular cycles is is a really useful thing to know. To know that perhaps your cycle is more normal, or actually like, oh no, my cycle is irregular. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
And also the thing that I think is, is if you have an irregular cycle, as in the textbook uh, definition, so mm. let's say if it's a 21-day cycle or you have a very long cycle, there'll often be other signs within the period itself. So, you know, often people we see in clinic who've got 21-day cycles, their period is actually often very, very light because obviously there's not been the whole enough time for that whole cycle of, you know, estrogen building up the lining, progesterone thickening the lining so that then when the bleed comes, it's not a substantial enough bleed. It's a very light bleed and, and vice versa. When somebody has a very long cycle, often the endometrium is, is often sort of thicker, more clotty. You know, there's more um, issues around the bleed itself because it's often heavier or more painful. So, you know, I think the irregularity kind of normally does go through into the bleed itself. Yeah, totally. So... In your experience, what are kind of what are the kind of common conditions that cause irregularity that you see in clinic? What are the sort of some of the underlying issues that, that you know, if someone comes in with an irregular cycle, what might you think from kind of like a Western medicine point of view? Um, like the first kind of things that come to mind are PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, that's quite a characteristic trait of um irregular cycles particularly if it's more towards those kind of like longer cycles then yeah. that's something I'd be wanting to check in on and then I'd say after that it would be um like hypothalamic amenorrhea or yeah. if it's not full-blown hypothalamic amenorrhea um where people are essentially one of or a combination of three things being they're under eating over exercising and very stressed so yeah. then um you see those like high prolactin levels with a lot of those kind of clients as well. Yeah. The, the other one that I think we see a lot, um, and for some reason I've had it a lot in clinic the last month, is um, post-pill. So yes. yeah. post-pill irregularity in terms of, I was speaking to somebody yesterday uh, who was having very, she'd been off the pill for about 10 months and was still having very, very light bleeds. So mm -hmm. her bleeds were lasting barely a day. Um, and her cycle was kind of a bit, you know, all over the place. And, and, and that was as a consequence of coming off the pillar cycles hadn't yet regulated. So that is a really common, uh, reason that people might be having irregular cycles. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I see that a lot. Um, I've got a few fertility awareness clients at the moment going through the exact same thing. And, um, again, thinking of that irregularity or like how we're defining irregular, um, after coming off like hormonal contraception, got a few clients that are really worried because they're not seeing any cervical mucus and it's yes. like that is so common after coming off hormonal contraception so again that's kind of like an irregular cycle and after coming off the pill it's so normal to see anovulatory cycles where you don't ovulate at all or where like the luteal phase is much shorter or like much later in the cycle so like um ovulation is much later in the cycle rather um so yeah that's another big one actually that i see a lot as well and and sort of you know, thinking wider than kind of, you know, a, a sort of underlying medical condition, other things that could influence the cycle, what are the other things that you think are like big sort of players in, in terms of its impact it can have on your menstrual cycle and its regularity? I guess um, perimenopause is one yeah. of those ones that you see a lot of um, people coming in with where they're kind of cycles are starting to change and they're not quite sure what's happening with them and again that's where the tracking piece can be a really helpful tool and like give you a lot of information as to what's going on um otherwise 
I guess thyroid related issues yeah. as well. Thyroid is definitely something that I'd always I'd always want to kind of rule out. And yeah. um and then sort of, you know, we always talk, don't we, about the kind of foundations, like mm. what you know, the, the sort of key key areas of life that we all have control over and influence over and sort of looking at those to see how they are. So like your your sleep patterns your stress levels, your nutrition and your sort of regularity of eating and e eating enough. And I'm going to say it because we say it all the time, eating enough protein um, and exercise. You know, those are all sort of your foundational pillars, aren't they? And, you know, making sure that they're all working well or if there's any sort of disharmony in those areas that um, could be influencing your cycle and, and the sort of regularity of it. Totally. I'm always, always, always coming back to those things. And there's so often the things that we ultimately we know, we know we need to sleep well, eat well, like get our bodies moving. Like we all know, we all know these things, but actually really looking at them and making sure that those foundations are as strong as we kind of think they are. Cause it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, like I sleep all right and like move on. <laughs> so yeah. you want to make sure that yeah, your foundations need to be strong for everything else to build up from. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in terms of, you know, we are not obviously medical doctors. So no. <laughs> we um, obviously can't, you know, we can we can discuss what tests we think people, you know, what we see people having. So if, if you are concerned about your uh, cycle and the regularity of your cycle, then obviously your first port of call is always to your GP or to a private fertility clinic, if that's available to you. And generally we'd be looking at, you know, things to test things like your hormones, your reproductive hormones. So your FSH, your LH, your estrogen levels, your testosterone levels. We'd be looking at maybe testing your prolactin levels. You know, if you've got high prolactin levels, it is gonna interfere with your body's ability to ovulate. So in my opinion, I think it is worth testing, but your GP might say something different. Anything else, Katie, that you think is good to test for an irregular cycle? <laughs> and that's not, that's not, it's not a test. Of <laughs> I, I can't think of anything off the top of my immediately. Thyroid. Thyroid, yes. Thyroid testing is, um. so getting your thyroid tested is, yeah, another one to, you want to rule anything out there. I mean, thyroid is a really interesting one in how it impacts the menstrual cycle and like the big links between thyroid and the menstrual cycle so again um if you're going to your gp to get your thyroid tested you can request a full thyroid panel it's not kind of common practice for them to do a full thyroid panel but i really recommend if you're able to get one that um that's a better shout because often they just test one or two hormones and it'd be good to get like your TSH, T4, T3, reverse T3 and antibodies tested um, to really just make sure that there's no kind of potential underlying of any kind of autoimmune stuff as well. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, because this weekend it, I read in the papers a really good article about home testing. Did you see it? No, I didn't. Sort of on the back of the fertility show and um, just sort of referencing that there's been a massive, massive increase in people doing at-home testing. There was lots of home testing um, yeah. stands at the fertility show. Because, it, I mean, you know, we recommend it a lot, mostly because 
people really struggle to get this information because they can't get an appointment with the GP or they can't get the results from the GP. So, you know, we use, we've used MediChecks for years, but it, it does seem like in the last couple of years, there has been this huge explosion of home testing kits. And it was a really interesting article because it sort of obviously had, you know, the different um, points of view from like a gynecologist to a GP to uh, fertility doctors to people who run the companies. And the sort of opinions varied from you shouldn't be doing at home testing because it's, you know, you don't have the kind of skills or knowledge to interpret that information and therefore it's not recommended and it's dangerous to you absolutely should be home testing because why wouldn't you? Because it's so difficult to get this information. And we all know that women's health is so um, misaligned. It's so under-researched. Uh, it's so often underfunded. Badly, yeah. badly treated. People are waiting for a long time. So why wouldn't you empower yourself with this information and this knowledge? And, and, and I have to say, I would veer to, to that side because I've seen I agree. Lots, of, lots of people in clinic who've able, been able to identify thyroid problems, who might have identified progesterone problems is a really big one that we, you know, that people pick up from, from home testing. It means it makes it more accessible because a lot of them, I mean, they're not cheap, but they're also not prohibitively, I can never say it, expensive. And it's better than having to wait three months to get through. And, and get it tested, especially if you're trying to conceive and time is not on your side. So, I mean, I know they have to be done with caution and you have to be, I know, I know there is that, well, what do you do with the results? But information is, 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 is sort of power, I think. Totally. And I mean, you and some of your other practitioners do online consultations as well. So getting yeah. some help with like a practitioner to help you understand what the results actually mean can be yeah a really useful thing because otherwise it can be a bit like you, you do the test and then you're like what does it mean <laughs> and um like need help interpreting it and like that helps available you just need again it's that knowledge and information of knowing who can help me interpret this and who's gonna support me with interpreting this rather than being like well what's this test it means nothing like yeah yeah it's an, it's an interesting one isn't it and I guess what I see is like say for example if someone just going back to thyroid if someone comes out with a thyroid result that's out it just means that they've got that information to go to their GP and say, look, my thyroid is out. You know, this is the blood test result I've had done at home. These are my symptoms. I really need to see somebody. And I guess maybe that might, you know, get you an appointment quicker or kind of, you know, just highlight that you really do need to be seen sooner rather than later. And yes, your GP will probably tell you to retest because they probably can't take that as as a definitive result. But at least then you're in the system. So... Mm -hmm. I guess it's I guess it's about hacking it, hacking the system in, in a in a bit of a way, just so you've got more information. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it can be a really powerful thing to have that information for yourself. And then one I mean, we we often talk about testing early, whether that's like for yourself or like partner having like sperm tested, like because then you know what you're dealing with and you know yeah. what things like lifestyle practices different like protocols perhaps to put in place to get your menstrual cycle in a place where you are more likely to conceive and I think this is that thing what we're just always going on about essentially is that like that phrase of knowledge is power is so true and I think yeah. testing can provide people with a lot of knowledge that they may feel they either have to really fight for um which then can be quite exhausting on top of going through like the f fertility issues they may be facing as well to then have to yeah. advocate for yourself in that way yeah 
Yeah. And the other test that, that I think is a good, important test to have done with irregular cycles is a transvaginal scan. I mean, if you can get one, because it's really important to get a proper assessment of what is happening. Like, are there cysts on your ovaries? What What's the health of your ovaries? Is there fibroid? Is there polyps? Is there any signs of endometriomas? Are there any, you know, anything that might be unusual that's, you know, within your uterus or within the cervix or with the ovaries that could be causing an irregularity? And I think that is a really important part of an assessment. And again, I know that people really struggle to get them, but it's it's important, especially things like mid-cycle bleeding or unusual bleeding. You know, they, they really need to have a proper assessment to rule out anything untoward that might be going on. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen this in clinic recently with someone with mid-cycle bleeding yeah. and then they did get a, a scan and then they, they found um, polyp and like that's yeah. probably why she's been having all this continual mid-cycle bleeding. And it's like, cool, well, now we know what we're dealing with and we can work to supporting that. But yeah, I think seeing um, it's a good point thinking of testing isn't just necessarily about like blood and yeah. testing your blood and what's happening there but physically being able to see inside yourself essentially and it's not anything like structurally going on that's causing any issues there as well yeah and I guess also on that note is making sure that your smears are up to date you know as yes. kind of part of your gynae health is always making sure that you're you know responding to when you get the letter as no I, you know no one loves or relishes the prospect do they but you know, you sort of just have to override your own brain and, and get it done because it is it is an important thing to get checked out as regularly as you are offered that opportunity. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a really, yeah, good one to add in there. And yeah, just keep up to date with it. And yeah. often it's it's all right. It is all right getting your smear yeah. test done. Not the best thing in the world, but it's I, when I've had it done, I'm always like, okay, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah. Like, no, it's always the thought is worse. Yeah doing and also it's an important part of the sort of preparation if you are trying to conceive it's important to get it done as kind of a routine um before pregnancy because you can't have it done in pregnancy so it's important to get it done before you are actually pregnant so as part of like preparation i think it's it's good to sort of remind people that that is actually recommended yeah we've already had an episode on uh, the sort of pillars that katie and i refer to frequently um, for supporting good regular cycles. So we're not going to go into it in a, a huge amount today, but we have, you know, I'm sure if you've listened to these podcasts that you'll know that sleep, nutrition, exercise and stress. Have I missed any, Katie? I don't think so. Are kind of the core foundations and, and the, the areas of life that we have control over that can influence our cycle. So, you know, as part of looking at why you might be having an irregular cycle, addressing those and assessing those is a really important part of making sure that the foundations are there. But when it comes to kind of um, conceiving and, you know, what can you do if you're trying to conceive and your cycle is irregular, is it completely impossible? And, and often, in fact, I did a podcast this week um, with Lauren, the London wellness coach about conceiving with PCOS. And, you know, she was told from a very early age that she probably would struggle to conceive and she would probably wouldn't have children. You know, as a teenager, she was given that information. And often people we see in clinic who have got irregular cycles, whether it's because of polycystic ovaries or, or, or another reason, really sort of feel that their chances of conceiving are, are impossible. And we always say that 
it's not it's harder absolutely it is harder but it is not impossible and this is where the understanding your cycle and tracking your cycle really comes into its own because if you can track an irregular cycle then you can really understand when you might be fertile and you and you know that you're hitting that fertile time then you are really increasing your chances as best you can with that irregularity so Katie what would sort of be your top tips with an, an irregular cycle let's say for example let's use polycystic ovaries because it's a really common one someone mm. with polycystic ovaries how would you um, explain or inform people about ways to track their cycle because often OPKs don't work because they're continuously getting a high um, LH reading or they're getting no LH reading and often what what I find um, with people if they're doing their BBT for example, and I know it. I know it is good because it can confirm ovulation. But if they've been doing it for like sixty days and nothing has happened, it is. It can become like really soul destroying, can't it? Because you're like, you know, there's literally no change, and I'm not getting that kind of, uh, you know, temperature rise. So, what would you? What What are your sort of top tips in that situation? I think um, looking out for mucus is a really important one, and being able to understand what fertile mucus looks like and um but also knowing that when you have long irregular cycles you can often see as if the body is sort of preparing to ovulate you have these patches of mucus and then the body doesn't ovulate but you're like well I saw mucus so I think having that understanding that if you do have these long irregular cycles like your body is sort of is, is trying to ovulate but doesn't quite get there so it's not uncommon to see the like a few days of mucus a few times within a longer cycle and then that's where having like bbt as like a secondary sign can be really helpful because then that way you when you see the patch of mucus and then you see the temperature go up as well then there is an understanding like okay well we were trying, we saw mucus and now the temperature has gone up. So, okay, well, that was our time that we tried to conceive and like there's a possibility of conception actually happening then. In terms of the kind of, if you like your example of a 60 day cycle and being like, but nothing's changing. I'm not seeing the temperature increase. Like there's no denying, like it, it can be really hard. It can be frustrating. And I think that's where perhaps sometimes the wearable devices might be a kind of a better option in that it's not that reminder instantly when you wake up in the morning like you're just you've you've got your like if it temp drop for example is the armband like that's just on and it syncs up to your app and things and you kind of it's not as um as much of a presence first thing in the morning yeah. um but yeah there's no denying that it can feel a bit of a bit of a slog <laughs> for want of a better way of putting it but it does it gives you that confirmation that ovulation did happen and that conception was possible in that cycle. And I think having that can provide a lot of relief for people. So if you can find it within yourself to keep going with it, yeah. it can give you, yeah, big confirmation. And just remembering that also, even if you're not seeing mucus in your cycles, like um, pregnancy can occur in any cycle provided ovulation is happening so doing all the things that we always talk about to support ovulation so like we said about the the lifestyle factors having those being really really strong to support ovulation like that's kind of one of the key components in a way yeah 
Yeah, because it, I guess it's about every time you see that mucus, you are potentially fertile. Like mm-hmm. you might not ovulate, but you might ovulate. And I, I've had lots of people in clinic who, you know, when they get that and, you know, they understand that, it sort of gives them a bit more empowerment in terms of like, they don't even know whether they're having sex to conceive or not. They don't even know whether, you know, they're fertile or not. And it, and it becomes so stressful and difficult whereas if you know this is okay this i could be it could be ovulating i might not be but it could be and then you know if they're hitting that every single time it happens that potential then you have given yourself the the best sort of chance to conceive naturally that cycle as a person who had a regular cycle and yes you might have fewer opportunities so you might only have nine site nine ovulations in a year as opposed to 12 but it's about you know maximizing each one of those ovulations to give yourself the best chance and and i think you know if you're getting high opks all the time and you're completely you know disconnected with what's happening i think that the cervical mucus information and using that as your as your sign can be absolutely you know really really empowering totally i always say um mucus first and the ovulation predictors if you feel so inclined to use them i'm not the biggest fan of them just because they often um, create a lot of stress and anxiety and uncertainty but i think yeah with the tracking stuff it can provide you as i'm always saying with so much information you're collecting all this data and you can understand what's happening but i think it's just also important to acknowledge that mucus is kind of like seeing forward and being like we're in that fertile window ovulation is approaching and then your temperature is almost like looking backwards and being like, okay, it did happen. There's nothing quite telling us like it's happening right now. It's kind of like it's about to happen or it has happened. Yeah. And I think knowing that unless you're able to go and get like a transvaginal scan every day and someone to literally check your ovaries, like that's going to be as good as we're going to be able to get really at home with free resources to us yeah. in terms of knowing when ovulation is. Absolutely. And I think um, just, you know, what's just suddenly come to my brain is around the BBT charting as well in terms of, it, you know, if your cycle is irregular and let's say if, if it's not related to PCOS, so let's say it's an irregularity that maybe it changes every single month or maybe it's on the shorter side, you know, by doing your BBT, you're going to get a lot more information about where that irregularity is coming from. So is it because you've got a short luteal phase? Is it because you're ovulating early and then you've got a a shorter luteal phase? Is it because you've got, have you got low temperatures? You know, is there something going on temperature wise, which could, could indicate thyroid problems? So you can get a lot of information by BBT charting about possibly where that irregularity might be coming from. So, you know, if if you take nothing else from this um, episode, I would say that, that you know, there's a lot of information to be gleaned from that alone. Yeah, no, I, I was talking about this in the workshop um, yesterday. The BBT can, yeah, just give us so much insight as to when ovulation happened, how long that luteal phase actually is. And because yeah. um, it's all well and good being like, well, I've got a 20, 28 day cycle, for example. But if you're not ovulating until day 20 of a 28 day cycle, well, like that's not going to be great if you're trying to conceive you want to have a longer luteal phase compared to that and bbt makes that really clear as to when you ovulated and then when your next period is so yeah it it helps to inform how you kind of look at your cycle and perhaps the things that you want to then adjust in your lifestyle to support 
your cycle depending on like yeah where the issues are and like you say if the temperatures are low then it's like okay well like let's rule out thyroid and if that is thyroid let's get that treated and um yeah, yeah I, I'm a, I'm a really I can appreciate the stresses of BBT but I'm a really big fan of it in terms of how much clarity it can give you yeah and that's just a good time to plug your BBT <laughs> workshop again because you know it is it, you know if you've not done it before and, and you're new to the world of BBT charting it can be overwhelming and completely stress inducing and confusing so if you do if you are interested and you want to find out more then obviously as we said at the beginning Katie's BBT workshop uh, we'll put a link in the show notes and I will just sort of finish off the this episode's with the, you know, if you've got an irregular cycle or any irregularity, please go to your GP and get it checked out. That's, you know, our first port of call. 100%. And then, you know, work with a practitioner like myself or Katie, if, you know, if you've ruled out anything that's that might be going on um, from a sort of GP's perspective and you want support for your cycle, then you can work with someone like myself or Katie and, and or, you know, just have a really good look at the areas of your life that might be impacting your cycle and, and, and see if there's changes that you can make or get support for cha- making those changes to see if that actually can make a difference. Especially like the post pill one, because sometimes it does take quite a long time. I know we're going to do a whole episode on it, but it does take time for some people for that cycle to come back so um, yeah it can take six to 12 cycles so that's not months that's cycles and if your cycles are longer after having been on the pill then like you could be looking at a year or more like for your cycles to get back into that optimal healthy place that we're always talking about so it's not uncommon to see that and I think yeah, I mean, we'll go into this in much more depth when we do the coming off the pill episode. But I think there's a lot of expectation of kind of you come off the pill and within like a cycle or two, it'll, everything will be fine. It's like it's not it's not what even the research tells us. So yeah. just knowing that, I think, can, again, provide a lot of relief and be like, OK, well, my body's working out what's happening again. And also, and also there's different lengths of time for de- depending on which contraception you're on. So stop- totally. You know, some are some take can for some people take longer than others. So, like the progesterone only pill, for example, I think is the one that can take the longest for lots of people. Not everybody, but it, I it think is- the um the injections are the and ones. Yeah. They're yeah. like eight. They're ten. Even just after one injection, it can be about eighteen months before. I yeah. believe that's the statistic. I'd have to double check that, but it's it's a long time with the injection because that's a massive hormonal input in like one go and um yeah yeah, that can have a big impact afterwards and it's important to to you know if you're thinking about conceiving lots of people come to clinic and say well they stopped taking the pill or their contraception after they got married and then you know and then they started trying to conceive but if you have that information that you know you've had the injection and it actually more likely is going to take longer than you might think about. You might not, but it's about having that information. Choice, yeah. Make that decision that, you know, this. if you've had the injection or you've got the implant or you've been on the progesterone, it might take longer for your cycles to come back. So you might want to think about coming off it a year prior to when you want to actually conceive. And, you know, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it's about having that knowledge, isn't it? So you can make an informed decision, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree that you should... Because they'll, they'll put you on the pill very quickly, but yeah. we're not necessarily thinking about the implications that can have. I mean, um, in Lisa Hendricks and Jack's book, The Fifth Vital Sign, so she's who I did my fertility awareness training with, and she says, like, if you took a pill that literally stopped you from peeing, like, yeah. 
you wouldn't be surprised that it would like take a while for that function to kind of like sort itself out again. But because we sort of view particularly women's reproductive health as something very separate to the rest of our health, then um, there's kind of just like this thing of like, oh, well, like it'll like as if it's not going to have an impact. And it's like, well, that's not not the case so I think yeah just um having that information I think this is what this podcast really is all about isn't it of just like informing you so you understand what's normal what's not when you want to get things checked out and having that information so you can make the choices that are going to be the best thing for you and that might be to stay on contraception right until the point you're completely 100% ready to start trying but for other people it might be like okay I'm going to give myself some time to kind of adjust it's just it's just having that information yeah oh thank you so much katie that was super lovely as always it's and, always a pleasure um as i said before or everything we've discussed and i'll do links to everything so um it will all be in the show notes and obviously all our websites and everything if you want to get in contact you're always very welcome thank you as always katie it's lovely to see you oh you too hannah i'll see you soon bye If you've enjoyed listening to this and want to find out more, then come and join my free community in Facebook. We have loads of resources. You can catch up on all our previous webinars and be the first to know about forthcoming events. To sign up, just follow the link in the show notes. And if you'd like to work one-to-one with myself or one of the team, then please see our website, hannahpern.com, where you can book in directly or organize a discovery call to find out how we can support your fertility and your reproductive health. 